So where are you today? Right this moment, are you in the car, at work, in the kitchen, out for a walk? What are you thinking and feeling right now? Are you happy, tired, sick, anxious? How does the truth that God is with you right now, right where you are, and that he understands your thoughts and feelings encourage you? Second Chronicles 16, nine tells us, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Let this sink in for a minute. Everywhere you are today, God's eyes are on you. His eyes are not glaring in condemnation. Instead, they are filled with tenderness, desiring to give you strong support. Let's savor his nearness as we hear stories of God's presence in the everyday, ordinary lives of women. Welcome to Everywhere You Are. As we continue our look at spiritual disciplines, we explore the discipline of Scripture today. More than other disciplines, in studying Scripture, we might be tempted to feel a pressure for perfection. Miss a day? You get an F. Study for half an hour? Ah, success. You get an A. Our guests, Nancy Harton and Abby Bradford, describe their study of Scripture in different terms not as a pass-fail practice, but rather as a discipline that feeds the deepest longing of the soul and a discipline you can fall in love with. Our prayer is that you leave today's episode longing for God's Word, just as the psalmist describes in chapter 19. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Welcome. I'm Rachel Langston, and Becca and I are here hosting. Today, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, and this is the spiritual discipline of Scripture. So we're here with our friends, Abby Bradford and Nancy Harton. Where are you today? So Abby, if you'll get us started, that'd be great. I'd love to. I'm Abby Bradford. I'm a junior at Samford. I also intern under Kristen in the women's ministry at Dawson. I'm one of six kids, if that tells you anything about wow. me. I am. So the siblings graduating and going to college and the house always being loud and crazy. That's what I grew up in. And I'm just really happy to be here. Where is home? Dallas-Fort Worth. So I'm from Weatherford, Texas. Um, and we've moved around a little bit throughout the Metroplex. It's, it's about an hour outside of Fort Worth. So How did you get to Sanford? People ask me this all the time, and the only answer I can really come up with is that the Lord brought me here. My brother is, is here as a senior, so I have to give him, him some credit as well. Um, he's in Sanford's nursing program. But I didn't think I would come here. I thought I'd be really close to home. It just made the most sense to me, and I am a homebody. But the Lord kept closing doors or kind of cracking other doors and saying, no, this one is open. So I decided to come here against my what I would say my better judgment, but it was, it was his wise decision to bring me here. And here we are three years later, but it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it for sure. Uh, Nancy, what about you? Where are you today? I am sandwiched. <laughs> I'm an only child sandwiched between aging parents and um, 
getting ready to launch our oldest out of the house mm -hmm. and preparing our family of five for our first family mission trip on Saturday. So feeling pulled. About, it's a big sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> feeling a little pulled at this moment. So your parents, are they here in Birmingham? They moved okay. here a few years ago. Okay. They are thankfully able to be independent, but it okay. certainly is. The aging process has not gone like any of us, any of the three of us expected. Mm -hmm. So we are on that roller coaster and you know, the phone can ring at any time. Yeah. When you hear the words spiritual discipline or disciplines, what comes to your mind? I think it gets a negative connotation. It's spiritual seems very mystic or esoteric, unattainable. Um, and then discipline, nobody wants to sign up for that. So, I mean, what possible good thing, almost unattainable to have a spiritual discipline. Yeah. I think when I first think of those two words together, it sounds very monotonous in my head to think, okay, I'm going to get out of bed in the morning and I'm going to, the first thing I do, I reach to my right and on my, my you know, bookshelf or my nightstand, I grab my Bible and I open it and I read and then I put it away and I go brush my teeth and like kind of the monotony of a morning routine or whenever you say, okay, my spiritual discipline of scripture reading or I'm going to church on Sunday morning, like it looks very specific in many people's lives. I, I agree with Nancy of, um, I think it does get a negative connotation because it can be too structured for some people. Sometimes, and I, I know I felt this of, I think a lot of times it has a lot of pressure added to it for me. I agree with the pressure idea. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing it right. So how have spiritual disciplines kind of as you've implemented them in your lives over the years, how have you found that they actually bring joy and not you know, just added pressure or drudgery? It has not been a perfect process and I definitely still kind of wrestle between the two of well I have to do this or this is just what's expected of me and then finding joy kind of the um, that, that dichotomy between the two for me it, it's been something where I just have to kind of release that control because if I try to make it look a certain way and make myself memorize a schedule or make myself have an exact kind of model that I follow every single morning or every single day, then it will become something that's just has that added pressure or yeah. is something that makes me kind of feel the pressure to continue in that way and not for my own learning or gain, but just because that's what has to be done. So I have to kind of separate myself from the heavy structure of that so that I can find joy in just the unexpected things. Well, my journey to falling in love with scripture, coming to Sanford for undergrad was my 12th move. And during that process, we had been in nine different churches in three different states. And I remember when I was 10 years old, I was riding in the back of the car. My parents said, it's time that you start having a quiet time. And that was the beginning and end of that discussion. So really, and, I, and so I began a journey from 10 and I'll fast forward until I was 30 when I realized what that quiet time would look like for me. And that is the age when I would say I fell in love with God's word. In everything we do, we seem to get some instruction, reading, math, driving. Um, if you have boys, it will be showering, washing their hair. But so often in none of these nine churches or even in seminary when I was old enough for my dad went to seminary and I would go to classes with him they don't teach you how to study the Bible they just it's just assumed 
And so for me, I needed a process. And having tried opening the Bible, reading it beginning to end, reading it by pointing a finger, going to a Bible study, listening to someone else, reading another book, there was still a void and a longing. Mm -hmm. But when I learned how to study the scripture with a piece of paper and God's word and me, it fed the deepest longing of my soul, and I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. So explain that a little bit more about like a piece of paper. What, what do you write on the piece of paper? What's your process? So I learned about inductive Bible study actually through a women's conference that was here at Dawson. And Cameron Stevens taught a class. When I went to that class, and in 90 minutes, she... It does not take 90 minutes for those who are panicking, but in that 90 minute class, I felt and heard and experienced the Lord speaking to me through his word, through the process that she instructed. And it did take practice, but I say if you do anything for, you know, they used to say if if your baby does anything for three days, it's a it's a rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could just get them to sleep through the night three nights, then you're sold. And so we would lay in bed at night and go, <laughs> okay, we're almost there. Or, you know, we can, well, we won't get into potty training. But anyway, we can get into these rhythms. But I say another if, you can, if you can do, uh, if you can learn how to study the Bible to find that scripture rhythm for six weeks, you're you're there. Yeah. So you still use that same process to this day? Yes. And so I have a notebook, which I purchased from TJ Maxx because yeah. I like the quality, the paper, the pretty notebook. They're pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, like the size. And I answer three questions. What does the scripture say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Four questions. Um, and how am I going to apply it to my life today? What am I okay. going to do? So for some of like the tougher texts, like if you're going through one of, you know, Old Testament, Daniel like 8 would be one that yes. would be, we just did it in, in mm. life group on Sunday and it was special. Yeah. So like ones like that where you're reading, you're like, I don't know what this is talking about. What in the world? Do you have like a commentary or do you have a study Bible where you've got the commentary at the bottom or what, what does it look like when you have questions of the text? Well, first step is always to understand the scripture. And when you're studying inductively, you're starting with chapter one, verse one. So you've already naturally have context. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what's going on. Uh, it would be horrifying to pick up Daniel 8 and start there or, you know, Revelation 8 would be another horrifying moment if you just wanted to randomly choose that scripture. So I first try to understand the scripture and then to work through my process and then I will go to a commentary. But if I can't make sense of anything, you know, the scripture is a story from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 about God. So in every passage, God wants, he's put it there for a reason. Yeah. And while my understanding of it may change, maybe the question becomes, what do I learn about myself or what do I learn about God? I've found a lot of times, I, I don't know why, I, growing up, like I remember I used to see, you know, the little tiny letters of the alphabet show up, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the verse. And I just didn't know what those were. I didn't mm-hmm. think to ask. And then yeah, as literally taught you. Yeah, literally. Spence and there's is, good stuff in there. Yes, it's been since I've been married that Blake was like, well, those, that's called a cross reference. <laughs> and you should probably look up what it says to look up. Mm-hmm. And so I started using those. And I can't tell you, like, it's such a small thing that just revolutionized my understanding of the mm-hmm. tougher text because it traces different themes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you see how it all connects. Like you were saying, it's, it's a 
it's a story. Abby, what does it look like for you? I'm a Christian ministry and Spanish double major at Sanford. And so as Nancy was talking, I'm trying to think of my personal study versus what I study in class. And so when we talk about cross-referencing and context, that kind of sends me down a kind of a student mind path, I suppose, because I will open my Bible in that class and for two hours straight learn every single thing that I never knew about kind of the way that New New Testament authors would seek context and how so many um, of the scriptures that we know as the Old Testament were so evident and such a part of their lives, and it just came out in what they wrote. My process... Because of that class, it has grown a lot because I also used to just skim and would just, you know, if it, if I was had a specific plan of reading the Bible in a year or reading the Gospels in a year or whatever that looks like, I would just kind of read through and, and kind of go, okay, Matthew 2 today. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything deeper than what the couple of verses say to me um, in that specific moment. Um, but because of this class and also because of professors in my past two years and teachers in high school who really um, stewarded just that time well in my classes. They taught me about hermeneutics and the exegesis of the passages um, and what it means to read the Bible as more than just, oh, again, one chapter. And so I've learned about the importance of context and learned that it is it is so vital to understand where the author is coming from and what they're writing about and who they're writing to and, and what they expect their readers to know of the text. All that to say, my process, it does take kind of the form of really looking at the kind of the exegetical nature of each passage, but then going into the hermeneutics. I don't follow a specific plan. For me personally, I really love control and that's kind of a a fleshly thing. And so in the past, I've you know, committed myself to certain plans and then just find that I'm flipping through scripture to read the 10th chapter of Isaiah because that's what I'm supposed to read for the day. Or I'll go through and read a couple of chapters of Luke because that's what the plan said to read. And then I'm not really delving in because in my mind, oh, I'm fulfilling that. I'm checking the box um, and that's, that's what I can control and then I move on. And so I've had to kind of eliminate the kind of control freak part of that because I really do limit what the Lord is looking to teach me, I think. And that has been a whole process of relinquishing that control and giving giving myself to him in like an open-handed kind of way and just saying, Lord, as I read this passage, teach me, teach me what you, you want to teach me. And different scriptures kind of apply in prayer as I like open the Bible and as I study. One that comes to mind is from Psalm 143, um, which says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. And then the second part of it is it, may your spirit lead me on level ground. And so even in that, I want to read scripture in a renewed way every time I open it, um, because I know that he has something to teach me every day. Um, he promises us that his word will not return void. And so I have to have to constantly kind of remind myself of that. What does a daily time in scripture look like for you? You mentioned control. I sort of get hung up on, I'm an, I used to be an English teacher before I was a mom. And it's like, what do I have to do to get credit mm-hmm. for my time every day? Well, I do not like mornings, period. Please ask my roommate in college who cried within the first few weeks because she was a morning person and I was not. And I was so apparently unpleasant (laughs) that it made her cry. We are remain bosom best friends today, but it was, it was a difficult period. I do not like mornings, 
but I also don't like nights either. So, you know, that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really strong from like nine to six. That's fantastic. <laughs> but that's not really a good, other people expect things of me during that time. So I did have to change how I was going to live my life. So I did start getting up very early. I started drinking adult beverages like coffee and tea and I decided that I don't like coffee that I actually prefer tea and so I created a place I created a time and I set my alarm for an ungodly time I have done it as early as 4:45. that is not going to work it, it was not sustainable so my alarm goes off at 504 because I want to allow myself at least 45 minutes I'm a person I've realized as an only child, I spent so much of my time alone and in quiet. When I came home from school, it was me and my mom and then dad came home later. So I really crave quiet and solitude. Uh, Without that, I have become an unbalanced person, but I also crave more and more of Jesus. So that has become a really precious time for me for me to spend time with my perfect father. So I am in my chair by 5.30 and I make myself stop by 6.15. On days when I don't have to be at work or at school, I prefer to take as much time as I can to spend time in scripture, maybe do a longer passage, then maybe I'll augment that with some additional reading of you know another book, not a commentary. But what I hear you saying is, I don't love mornings even though I've altered my schedule, I still don't prefer mornings, but I love Jesus and scripture more than I love. The reason is... Because um, I think it's important for people to hear, like, your your personality may not change, but your desire to, to know yes. more about scripture, yes. Yes. it may override. Yeah, absolutely. I love the passage it's somewhere in the book of the Bible um, that says, <laughs> in the morning I will order my prayer and watch mm-hmm. you work. And if I start my day in scripture, I so often see that scripture come back through the day, or I'm able to be mentally or emotionally positioned to deal with something that I wouldn't have expected. That being said, there could be 360 days out of the 65 that I get up, I study scripture, and I move on, and there is no like rainbow and unicorn. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I just saw that Jen Wilkins got an article in Christianity Today that she talks about a lot of times you're going to read scripture and there's not mm-hmm. going to be this life-changing moment. Yeah. But there is a market difference in who I am and how I feel if I do not spend time with the Lord. I miss mm-hmm. it. He's he's become he's become my perfect husband, my perfect father. She has a quote that is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, it's the heart cannot love what the head doesn't know. Mm-hmm. That whole concept, what you were just saying in that quote, just completely changed the way that I look at my quiet time because I was expecting to feel all the feels every yeah. day, every and, single day, right? Yeah. And that's just not realistic. That's not going to happen. Know, as my youth minister used to say, some days I don't feel like being married. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I don't love Christopher George Harton today the same way that I felt on the day we were married or on that honeymoon. But we've had so much knowledge and experience yeah. and time that has passed. The love is so much deeper. Right. The same is true with Christ. 
All right, so Abby, you're a student, and I expect that your experience may be different from hers in terms of carving out the time. I don't. I definitely don't do it perfectly. I am a morning person, and so I love a we good would early not have morning. Been good roommate. <laughs> it's okay. She would have made okay, you cry. I'll talk to your your old roommate. Robin, and Will. Yeah. Okay. She she we'll was the one that cried. She you would have cried. I'm so sorry. It's a, no. It's all right. My roommate freshman year probably would understand your side of it because I would wake up early on the Saturday morning to do my laundry, oh, and she hard. would just say like who are you what are you doing how are you doing it it's a whole thing kind of my routine in the morning which again the routine I have to remember can be fluid but I usually will get out of bread put the pillows where they go and then brush my teeth brush my hair all the things and then grab my bible and sit in our living room and we have a specific chair that I usually will sit in and that has kind of been like the quiet start of my day I have class on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m but on Wednesday Monday Wednesday Friday I have class starting at 10 30 and I'll still try to wake up around the same time to keep that consistent throughout the week because again I love the mornings and I want to kind of have some some of that consistency going into each day no matter when I have to go to class and what it looks like for me in this semester it changes and it usually is about 30 minutes maybe 45 that is kind of like a near and dear thing is just to be able to grab my bible and grab my notebook and we'll spend a good bit of time just kind of in the word and then in prayer I have to write my prayers or I'll get distracted and so that's the other thing is I can't bring my phone with me I can tell the second I like get on my phone or the second I just skip straight to breakfast or whatever it is that kind of the ordering of my day is a lot different and I even just start the day kind of feeling a little bit more crummy and so I have to remind myself that and this is I think I heard from I'm pretty sure it's from Louis Giglio who's um, pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta he talked about what it looks like to kind of physically supplement our bodies and to eat we have to like we have to drink water and we have to eat and the Lord has designed us to need physical sustenance but how much much more often do we need like sustenance of the word and I'm of course messing up the way that he said that but I think maybe someone asked him about like why he spends so much time in scripture throughout the day and he just asked them back well why do you eat three times a day and why do you drink water or drink coffee or tea throughout the day and of course the obvious answer is well I need that and my body needs that to function and the way he said it was so convicting of well how much more do we as Christians need the word of our God and I mean Jesus has said he's the bread of life and and he's our living water I mean so I have to remind myself like before I I love a good breakfast I love some cereal in the morning but before I eat and before I make that cup of tea I want to order my day in a way that's honoring to the Lord and then I want to be filled spiritually as I enter the day and as I go through the mundane things of oh I have to go to class and I have to eat and I have to drink water and I have to you know fulfill that commitment or do this or whatever that looks like how do you decide what you're gonna study or read through like is are you doing a first of all the first book I ever studied was Ephesians because Mm -hmm. it's short and it is encouraging um, things not to start with James, Revelation, <laughs> Numbers, Leviticus. Leviticus. You know, don't start there. One of the things that I found encouraging is that there is no prize for finishing first. Mm. Robert Smith preached a sermon here several years ago, and he talked about the power of and. So even conjunctions, isn't an and a conjunction? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. That was, <laughs> um, even conjunctions are relevant in Scripture. So there's no prize for finishing first. The first book I ever studied was Ephesians, and then I tried to go back and forth between Old Testament and New Testament, and as I'm getting to the end of a book, I will just sort of prayerfully 
put my antenna up and see where the Lord is leading. Matthew, it took me 18 months to do to complete Matthew, but I cannot tell you how many times I got up during that process and something that was in that scripture spoke directly to something that was happening in my life at the time. So I don't get bogged down in, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever, or oh my goodness, I'm only studying three passages today. Rick Warren says, to your point, that the difference between reading God's Word and studying God's Word is writing. And unless I am writing something, I am going to be thinking about so many other things in my little squirrel brain. Because they're running so on a good. lot of different... Yeah, it's so Do good. you write scripture out as your, just as a way to focus? Answering the first question is, list the facts. What does the scripture right, say? Right. So I, it is essentially rewriting the scripture, but it's almost a form of meditation. Because if you are right. taking the phrases of a particular passage, for example, this morning, I don't make this up. It was John 3.16. I mean, how, what are the odds, right? But even looking at that passage in... A phrase format and writing it down I was I was reminded you know what God had to release Jesus from heaven to go out into the world I am going to have to release my son to go out into the world he is not Jesus just to <laughs> clarify but God understands the process yes, of releasing yes. because we as parents have tried to create a haven for our kids and now We've got to send them out into the big bad world, and so John three sixteen this morning took on a new a new meaning. Are there things that you that you go back to and study again, or that come up as thing like this was a theme in this place, and now I'm seeing it here? You know, I am so bad about Chris in our household is the big picture person, and I'm the oh my gosh, do you know what the price of bacon has become? <laughs> um, so I am not good about taking a book of the Bible or even a chapter and just naming a theme. You know, gosh, I want to study it all. I was encouraged, Anne Graham Lott, several years ago, I was at the Cove, and she said she had two books left to go, and she had been doing this method for 40 years. Again, no problem. You have eternity to study scripture, so just put it in neutral and take your time because I say that if we are just reading God's word it's like driving from Miami to Seattle (laughs) for for example in this John I've studied John before I've studied John through BSF and then I've done a personal Bible study on John I'm doing it again with the girls who are in my D group and yet last week I had just an epiphany God moment and again this morning something that I would not have seen so his word is living and active and spiritual speaks to where you are today. Well, and you see it differently today than you would Absolutely. 10 years ago. Or when I was 21, right. when I didn't right. know how to study scripture. Right. What about you? I just try to ask like mentors and friends who I trust and who um, I know are walking closely with the Lord, what they would recommend, but also in prayer, just ask the Lord to show me where he would want me to study. I'm trying to think even in terms of seasons, the past couple of years have been some of the, like, I guess if you put it onto one season, have been one of the most challenging seasons of my life. And in that season, it did not look like it was very one book and I'm very structured in chapter by chapter. But I spent a lot of time in the Psalms and I spent a lot of time in passages that friends would say, hey, you should look at this one. There have been passages I just kind of go back to over and over. In my Bible, I have brown sticky notes in it. It has helped me just very quickly find passages that have been kind of anchors in my 
my life in the past couple years. And those are ones that I'll go back to, even if it's on a morning where I maybe didn't sleep super well the night before and I'm kind of lost and don't really know what I need to study or frankly, I'm really frustrated with the Lord and don't know if I have it in me to open the word and say, I'm going to study the scriptures today. I'm going to do it. And so it, it kind of takes different forms. I want to touch on something Abby said about seasons. There are seasons of illness. There are seasons of exhaustion. Once I had learned how to study the Bible, that was after my second son was born. And then when I was pregnant with my third child, knowing what was ahead when that little nugget arrived, you know, I was sad that, and, and I also had some guilt and a sense of loss is I'm not going to be able to keep this up. Well, I can tell you that a nursing mom spends a lot more time and has a lot more opportunity to pray and be quiet with the Lord than a mom who is not nursing. So there are seasons when I did not study scripture, but always had the longing once I got into that rhythm, into that discipline to return to it. And God is gracious to me. It, I mean, that's a beautiful picture of the way that disciplines are sort of, they're woven in and out of each other because... Yes, it was Kathy Nolan who absolved me of the guilt that I was going to hang up my um, the spiritual discipline of scripture and enjoy prayer in this season of nursing thing three. I think about that too, even on just busy days, like maybe it's not necessarily a full season, but I I can find on a very full week or a very full day, you know, maybe I don't have the brain space to, or the time whenever I'm driving in the car to open my Bible, but I can turn on music. Songs are some of the ways, like music is how we kind of capture the words of the Lord in our heart and, and keep it there. Do you write in your Bibles? Yes. What do you do with your notebooks? Do you ever go back to them? I go back to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Because right now in Life Group, we're studying Daniel. I've already been through Daniel myself, Mm -hmm. so I can read it, go back to those notes. Then I can pull in the commentaries. But again, back to seasons. I've been reminded in our Life Group study of Daniel how many times um, the Lord has a message for Daniel or Daniel is in a difficult situation and he he both prays and he sleeps. So sometimes there is value. And how many times the Lord speaks to Daniel I was laying in my bed at night. When he comes to Samuel, Samuel was laying in his bed at night. And the Lord comes and speaks. In Samuel's case, the Lord come comes and stands at the foot of his bed. Sometimes we just need rest. Right. And, and the Lord understands exhaustion. Now, Satan also understands exhaustion. Oh, yes. And so you have mm-hmm. to tell him where he can stick it. And, right, and you know, right. it's not that I get up every morning, that, but, you know, I feel that I alight from my bed and yeah. that this is a, a beautiful moment. I think sometimes when I get stuck and don't really know what to say or how to pray or where to start, I'll, I'll go to the Psalms. The emotions that are presented mm-hmm. there seem so normal and real to mm-hmm. what I experience. And you do have the the Psalms where I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is talk to the Lord and wait for him to work. But then you also have the ones where particularly David is talking about and as I go to bed. So it's not a I do this in the, the morning tears and on then my pillow. Yeah. It's not a as I do this in the morning and then I I don't go back to it till the next morning. Part of scripture and part of all of the spiritual disciplines is that it's that it's integrated in your day. Mm-hmm. Even maybe you're not sitting down and writing out and studying at night, but it doesn't mean the scripture isn't part of what you do at night. 
Well, and even John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, will well up to, it will be springs of living water, where a spring is coming up. And so the right. more time I spend in that word, the more it is going to fill me up to overflow, whether I feel it happening or not. I, I'm still stuck on seasons. Again, context is so important. And I think a lot of times, especially in in the season of life I'm in, in in our culture today, in the way social media is very present and there's so much that happens on there, a lot of times there'll just be like happy verses or there'll just be things that even you walk into someone's home and you're like, oh, there's Jeremiah 29, 11. Wonderful. Maybe the context is not there. It's forgotten. Right. And so I think it's so deeply important to to learn and to, to study, like you said, not just reading, but to study with the intent to learn more like deeply the things of the Lord. And in seasons of my life where they've been, it has been really challenging. I can, I go back to that context. I and mean, so I find great comfort in knowing the context and in knowing that these people that we study, they're not just people to know for a Bible drill competition or to know on Sunday morning, but they are like examples and, and gracious gifts and reminders of the Lord that he is walking with us and he never leaves us or forsakes us. Does anything surprise you about scripture? It's relevance, it's timelessness. Mm-hmm. I think it surprises me that even in a passage I feel that I know or maybe I have memorized, I can constantly learn something new. John 4, um, just the whole woman at the well, mm-hmm. because Jesus was waiting for her and Jesus spoke to her directly, that had a tremendous impact on me. But I love, and through that story, John 4, 29, when she um, proclaims, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Um, He knows me inside and out. And even when I am broken and sinful, he is still waiting at the well. There are several. The student in me is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My next answer is the Psalms. There are so many. Um, Psalm 116, 143, Psalm 90. Listeners, as Abby and Nancy so beautifully described in today's episode, The study of Scripture is life-giving in all seasons. Jesus promised in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Richard Foster expounds on this same Scripture further in his book, Celebration of Discipline, when he writes, Good feelings will not free us. Ecstatic experiences will not free us. Getting high on Jesus will not free us. Without a knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. Wherever you are today, experience the freedom that comes from studying God's Word and learning the truth that never changes. Thank you for listening to Everywhere You Are. We love producing these stories and we're excited about how God is using them. To learn more about the Dawson Family of Faith, please visit our website, dawsonchurch.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We could use your help going forward. First, please let us know what you think about the episodes. We want to hear what you like, what you don't like, and your ideas for how we can make the podcast better. To share your thoughts, comment on the episode post in the Dawson Women's Ministry Facebook group, or email podcast at dawsonchurch.org. Second, 
We want to hear your stories of how God has worked in your life. If you would be willing to share your story, please email Kristen Torres at ktorres at dawsonchurch.org. Finally, please help us spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends, family members, neighbors, and coworkers about the podcast and encourage them to listen and subscribe. Thank you for your help. We'll see you next time.